tell your neighbor you are glad to see him this morning. And you may be seated. Well, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Building Blocks. Can you say that with me? Building a building block is synonymous with a core value. And a core value is the main belief that I have for my life. It's the things that make me tick. I may be able to articulate them or they may be just deep inside me, but everybody's got core values. How many know a gangster has core values? Yeah, they may be a little different from yours, but everybody's got core values. Well, in this series, we talked first, our first core value was, I believe in the resurrection. Well, that was Easter Sunday, of course. The resurrection deals with our sinfulness as humanity, the fact that Christ offers forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, last week, we talked about our second core value, which was relationship with God. And I want you to see this as foundational, a building block for a strong life. The premise of this series is if I have the right core values, if I have biblical core values, I'll live a blessed life. But if I have the wrong values, I'll end up somewhere with pain and sorrow in my life. Well, this week we're going to add a third one, and I simply call it that I'm going to live my life according to the Bible. Now, there's a continuum in life regarding the Bible. Surveys tell us today that about 15% of Americans don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, they believe it's stories by men, it's advice, 15%. The vast majority of people are kind of in the middle. We as Americans, we say we believe in the Bible as the Word of God, but where God wants us to be is not only believe the Bible is the Word of God, but to do what it says to live our life, to form our worldview, to shape our values, to, to, to parallel our actions and our attitudes based on what the Bible would teach us. So this is a very simple message, but it's quite profound. My hope to you, for you today is, is simply this, is that through the Bible itself and through a number of facts, because I'm going to have three parts to this message. The first part of it is simply going to be, what does the Bible say about itself but then we're going to take a step back, and I'm going to show you eight different things why it's smart to believe the Bible, why it makes sense to believe the Bible, why it's logical and reasonable to believe the Bible. And lastly, we'll talk about the crossroads that we live at. Am I actually applying the Bible to everyday life? How many know the Bible applies to everyday life, whether you're on the football field or whether you're in the corporate office or whether you work at the church? We're Christian people. And God's Word works everywhere it's tried. So this is building block number three. And uh, off we go today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, the Bible, and I want you to gain this perspective. The Bible's like an operator's manual. How many when you get uh, something new? Maybe you get a, a new lawnmower or maybe you get a big dollhouse for your kids. And you see this, it, it, it's an instruction manual. But I mean, who needs the instruction manual, right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you can just dump that stuff out of the box and put it in piles and go for it. I mean, that's kind of a guy thing. Ladies, how many of you are the same way? Yeah. Well, guess what? I got a lawnmower a number of years ago, and in the, in the instruction manual, it said in six different places that I had to mix oil with the gas. And it also said it on the lawnmower in a big, you know, little strip said, don't forget to mix the oil. And I even wrote it on my can. And guess what? As long as I did what the instruction manual said, I mean, that little mower, it was a lawn boy. It was about 12, year old, 12 years old and still cutting grass. But one day, I think it was my wife that did this. One day, <laughs> we forgot to mix oil with the gas. And we cut the yard one time, and the strangest thing, it would never crank up after that. And I had to buy another one. 
Well, that lawnmower, if I'd, have, if I'd have continued what the instruction manual said and serviced it regularly, it could last the rest of my life. But because I, I went against the clear statements of the instruction manual, I got in trouble. Well, it's the same way. How many know the Bible is just like that? It's an instruction manual for life. And I think I'm going to help you today. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, again, the first part of the message, we want to look at what the Bible says of itself. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, the Bible claims to be the Word of God. Now, that just rolls off my tongue. But the God who created the world that we live in, the God who holds it together, the Bible says He sustains all things. The God who causes gravity continue to work, the earth to rotate on its axis. I mean, all the processes of life, uh, the process of transport. Uh, what is it? Trans- what is it with rain? You know, and the cycle. Anyway, whatever it is, uh, rain falls and it comes to the earth and it goes back into it goes back into the air. All the cycles, God's behind this, and He's given us His Word. The Bible says of itself, it is infallible, which means it's without error, and it's true. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all Scripture is, say this with me, inspired by God. The Scripture is inspired by God, which means God breathed. God's words were given to men. Somehow the Holy Spirit caused these men to write down the words that we now have as our Bible today. The Holy Spirit was involved. It was without error. So the Scripture says it's inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true And make us realize what's wrong in our lives. Now this is where the rub comes. Many would say they believe the Bible, but yet will hold totally different views when it comes to things like sexual morality. When it comes to marriage. And there's a long list of things. And that's why those that believe the Bible are are often in conflict with our culture. Not because we hate people, but we believe a different philosophy that undergirds the world. The starting place for the world today is there is no God. We came here through the result of a big bang. Uh, Human beings are the result of of tens of billions or hundreds of millions of years of evolutionary process. But the Bible tells us there is indeed a God. In the beginning, God, He created the heavens and the earth. So it's a different starting place, a different reference point. But beyond just the creative aspects, God teaches us what's true and what's false, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, that statement is either true, is true or false. The Bible either is God's word or, or it's not, but it declares of itself it is. I think I can convince you as we go. The ESV Bible, which, by the way, I, I want to encourage everyone to have a Bible. I still use the, the, the printed Bible. My wife uses an electronic one. I, I change every few years. I, I write in my Bible. I use pens. I use markers. Uh, I interact with the words of it. Right now I'm using the ESV Study Bible. I think everybody needs a study Bible with notes because the Bible was written several thousand years ago. uh, And how many know there's a different culture? It's a different time. And that helps us understand the difference. Though it's applicable to us, it helps us understand what it meant to its original audience. Uh, If you want one that's easier to read, more kind of uh, just free-flowing, I'd use the New Living Translation, NLT. uh, And they've got great study Bibles. But the ESV over 400 times says, Thus says the Lord. Over 400 times, you can look in the pages of this book, and it will basically is a direct quote from God. Now, again, that has to be true or it's false. It must be more than just interesting. Jesus said in John 17, he's in a prayer, he says, Sanctify my followers in the truth. 
And then he said this. I want you to say this. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Your word is dependable. It is genuine. It is factual. David said in the Old Testament, all your words are true. Your righteous laws are eternal. Now here once again is where we part with culture. This idea of what it means to be true or absolute truth. Wikipedia says absolute truth is something that's true at all times and in all places. It's something that's always true no matter what the circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed. So when the Bible teaches us about moral issues, about issues of character, uh, how many know it is just as wrong for a kid to cheat on their test in Texarkana, Arkansas, as it is in Honolulu, Hawaii, as it is in the south of Sudan? I mean, no, it's just as wrong for an adult to, to, to lie on their taxes or to do something underhanded. It's just as wrong in Texarkana as it is in Zimbabwe, uh, Africa. Right is right and wrong is wrong. It's absolute. It's standards that are set outside of us. Now, you're not taught this in high school or college any longer. You're taught what's called relativism. Relativism means there is no absolute truth, that all points of view are equally valid, uh, all truth is relative to the individual, which basically says, I get to make the rules, not God. Relativism says, there is no God. I'm not accountable. I can make up the rules as we go. Now, that's, that's what we're saying. It, you see this worked out really in culture today in terms of gender identity. The Bible teaches what? That we are made in His image, and He made us what? Male and female. But if you go on Facebook, if you go through many municipalities today, they will give you dozens of options about how to define yourself. I want to suggest to you that God created us and we are who we are. And the starting place for our happiness is accepting who we are rather than trying to find ourselves as Bruce or Caitlyn Jenner is trying to do. Now, when you say something that, like in culture today, our culture says, well, you hate people because you say that. No, I'm just echoing truth that abides outside of us. And this is the rub in culture today. As I said earlier, a recent survey showed that 15% of Americans call the nuns, that's N-O-N-E, not N-U-N, my only joke of the morning, 15% of Americans, they don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. They believe that the Bible is a storybook with advice, whereas most of the majority of Americans verbally say, I believe the Bible is inspired by God, but our actions don't bear witness. Um, the Bible is true no matter what I think. And I would suggest to you that it is smart, it is rational, it is logical, reasonable, it makes sense to live our lives according to the Word of God because it is true. Now, having said that, this is what the Bible says of itself. Jesus said it's truth. Uh, uh, Paul said it is inspired by God throughout the Bible, thus saith the Lord. But I, I want to give you now uh, uh, some ways that, that, to further convince you how we know it's true. This is kind of the why should I live by the Bible. And I want to give you eight things that are, that are not Bible verses to quote to you. But I want to give you some things to think about, particularly if you're skeptical in terms of the claims of the Bible, particularly if you may not believe that it's true. I want to give you some things to think about this morning. And the first one I'm going to call the Bible's cohesion. If you go to Books A Million and you buy a Bible, you get one book. But how many know this one book is actually 66 books written by 44 people over about 15 to 1,600 years? They came from many walks of life. 
kings or authors of the Bible, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, statesmen, scholars. They all were authors. They wrote in different places. Some wrote in the wilderness, some wrote in the palace, some wrote from a dungeon. The Bible was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. But they all bear witness to one central theme, and that is the redemption of man through Jesus Christ. There's a simple, central cohesive theme. There's no other book like it in the world. And for the second thing, I would draw you to the gods at Google. It's not a joke. I'll just be slow when I want you to laugh. And the gods at Google, I asked them, I said, what is the best-selling book of all time? And in the blink of an eye, they, taught, they quoted, uh, uh, again, a Guinness World's Record through Wikipedia, saying the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. Now, that doesn't prove that it's true, but I suggest to you, there's a reason that it's the best-selling book of all time. There's a reason that it's the best-selling book of all time. Number three, the Bible has shaped the laws of Western civilization, not just America, but it was instrumental in America's founding documents and our founders. Uh, on the, on the, there are quotes. If you were, again, just to do so, a basic Google search on monuments with biblical inscriptions throughout our nation's capital, it would amaze you. If you look at our own Supreme Court, on the walls of the Supreme Court, guess what you see? Roman numeral 1 through 10. Now, skeptics today, I did a tour of the, of the Capitol not too long ago. I did it with David Barton of Wall Builders, who's a Christian who believes in the biblical heritage of our nation. And then I also listened to people that were describing it that didn't believe. And the people that didn't believe were basically trying to tell me what my eyes saw I didn't see. Ten Commandments on the doors of the Supreme Court. They would say it's the Bill of Rights. But I wonder, though, you, you know this guy in the middle? This is the top of the Supreme Court. There's all different figures depicting the laws of the nations, Hammurabi's code and all along. But the one in the middle at the apex at the top is, guess what, Moses and the Ten Commandments. Now, there's a reason for that. President George Washington, our first president, said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Does that prove the Bible's true? No, but it should cause us to think and question if we disbelieve uh, Abraham Lincoln, he's quoted often today. He's often quoted in our racial tensions, but, but this is what you rarely hear from him. Abe said, I, I'm busily engaged in the study of the Bible. He said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. Abraham Lincoln said, all the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. And there is a reason that, that, that he and Washington said that. There is a reason that its words are inscribed throughout Washington, D.C. Let me give you a fourth one. Now, I think if I were a skeptic and I didn't believe the claims of the Bible, I would force myself to deal with this one issue, and it is fulfilled biblical prophecy. That is predictions that were made hundreds or thousands of years before they happened, and it comes to pass just as was said. Now, here's something I know today. Uh, I, I look at my weather a lot. I'm always on the phone. My weather told me I was going to get a severe storm yesterday morning and it didn't rain a drop. This is a 90% chance. My dog is 100% right. 20 minutes before every storm, that dog is pawing at the door. Please, 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 let me get killed. Let me in, let me in. It's going to rain. It always happens. But think about this in the Bible now. Uh, CBN Network, uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, there's an article called Fulfilled Prophecy in Jesus. You ought to Google it. 
He reminds us that the Old Testament was completed 450 years before Jesus was born. It has approximately 300 predictions or prophecies about his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, mathematicians, those that do statistics, put it this way. For one person to fulfill eight prophecies, one person, eight prophecies, 400 years earlier and, and beyond, and it all to be uh, uh, come together in this one man, the odds of that are one with 17 zeros. That's one, one in one quadrillion, which is beyond 100 trillion. And that's only eight. If you were to take 45, 48 of those prophecies, that's a one with uh, 157 zeros. It means nothing to us. And that's not even 300. How in the world could one person fulfill? Come on now. How can one person do that? It's like a tornado going through a, uh, a, 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 a garbage dump and a 747 coming out on the other side. I mean, it's just this, it's impossible unless God is behind it. Let me give you another one. History and archaeology confirm the Bible. We're into facts in America today. Let me give you a fact. His name is uh, Nelson Gluck. He's a renowned Jewish archaeologist. He's one of the men that are the standard bearer. He lived in Jerusalem for a number of years. He wrote and pub published in secular as well as uh, religious uh, articles. He said it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. No archaeological discovery has ever found contradiction with the Bible. Scores of archaeological findings have been made to confirm in exact detail historical statements from the Bible. He went on to say we would often start with the Bible in terms of a location or a place or an event and we would find it as we unearthed, uh, as we went down to the bowels of the earth. Now, if you were to look at this argument for the truth of the Bible, you could listen to another person that's supposedly intelligent, and they could quote to you some, well, how about this and how about that? Okay, but what I'm telling you is we, you need to deal with these facts that are beyond being argued. Scientists believe the Bible is the Word of God. Now, in modern America today, modern culture, we're taught that it's foolish to believe the Bible. Uh, professors will stand up. They'll mock at the Bible. Uh, Hollywood will mock uh, people that supposedly have superior intellects. Let me introduce you to a man. His name is Francis Collins. He's not only a medical doctor, but he's a Ph.D. He's a scientist and a believer. Today, he's the director of the National Institutes of Health, and he was at one time the director of the Human Genome Project, which is the world's largest collaborative biological project, whose goal was to read the 3.1 billion elements of human DNA. This is the guy that was responsible for a worldwide group of scientists bringing them together, the smartest people in the, in, in the world recently, bringing them together and map out human DNA. And here's what he wrote a book called DNA is God's Language. Listen to what he said. He said, the God of the Bible is the God of our genetic instructions. This brilliant man, the God of the Bible, is the God of our genetic instructions. I want to tell you, friends, intelligent people believe the Bible. Living by the Bible is a reasonable thing to do. Come on. Somebody give the Lord a good hand this morning.
Let me give you another one that, 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 is, that is, certainly should pause to ask a question. Uh, people are willing to go to jail and die distributing Bibles. Let me show you a picture of two young ladies, uh, Miriam and uh, Marisa. They're two cuties, wouldn't you say? If you're single, I can get you their address after church. <laughs> Just teasing. They were born and raised as Muslims. Now think about this. I mean, they look like, you know, two glamour girls. They've toured in America. But they were born and raised Muslims, unsatisfied with the teaching of Koran and converted to Christianity. And what they say was, is they had a vision in the night of Jesus. They spent several years in Tehran. This is Iran. This is where the Ayatollahs live. This is the, this is the, the group that we recently gave uh, uh, several billion dollars to that's right there saying they're going to destroy Iran. This is the Ayatollahs. Well, they, they spent several years there in the capital passing out Bibles and talking about Jesus. They were arrested in 2009 for promoting Christianity, ordered to renounce their faiths or be executed. They refused to turn from Christ or spent almost a year in prison. And then both of them relate that they both had a vision independent of one another. And in their vision, a vision is like a, a story. It's like a picture. It's like a movie. This movie from God was that they were to evangelize Iranian people by distributing Bibles. Here's what she said. God showed me Iran is like a land that needs seed. And God said, I will raise and grow this seed, the word of God. So they decided to cover all parts of Tehran. They went night at nighttime and put Bibles in mailboxes. Uh, throughout the day, they would give them away to people. They said it was illegal and dangerous because no one is allowed to talk about any religion in Iran except Islam. So my question is, why did they do that? Why would they risk their life for someone they didn't know, for someone they didn't want anything from other than just to give them a Bible? I'll tell you, friends, because they experience the same thing I have and most of us have today is that you can come to know God through the words of this book and you can find a transformation in life by believing the Word of God. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. And again, these are not Bible verses I'm giving you, but they're things that need to be considered. For those that believe the Bible is true, it should push us towards doing what it says. And for those a bit skeptical, you should find answers, friend, because these are huge questions that, in, that encompass our eternity. Here's the last one I'll throw in. Bible believers in America are still in the majority well, the number's dropping. There's a study of 14,000 people recently done by the Barna Group, and they found across America, most Americans still believe the Bible is the most influential book in the history of the world. But more importantly, two-thirds say they believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Remember, there's three, there's a continuum. Two-thirds believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but yet 15% believe the Bible is just a storybook in the words of man. And this number is growing in secular America among our youth. We're living now, I just turned 60, but the last 30, 40 years in America, the prominence of the Bible, the honor, the recognition of the Bible is growing dimmer and dimmer and dimmer in America. But how many know God could turn that around in a spiritual awakening? That's the great hope that we hold. But I want to suggest to you, of those 15%, or whether we're in the middle and believe it but yet don't practice it, we stand at kind of a spiritual crossroads. And my hope is that rather than certainly not being one that doesn't believe, but I don't want to just be one that believes it's the Word of God. I want to be one that believes and obeys. 
I'm going to show you at Psalm chapter 1 because there's two foundations that we can build our lives upon. And I ask you, which one will you choose? Psalm chapter 1, David wrote these words. David said, blessed, this is the blessing of the Lord. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the company of mockers. Stand, sit, and walk. But notice what he says, verse 2. But the person whose delight is in the... What do you think that is? It's the Bible. It's the Scripture. It's the Word of God. He says you can delight in this and that you'll meditate on it day and night. The New Century Version says they love the Lord's teachings and they think about those teachings day and night. Doesn't that suggest to you that if you're, if you're, you're, you're taking a test... If you're a college student and you're trying to get the grade, but you don't know the answers, and, you're, and you're, this thought comes in your mind, well, maybe I should just text so-and-so because they're super smart and I know they've got the answers. But something inside says, well, that's not right. So the issue of right and wrong, is it just determined by the situation, situation ethics? Everybody else is doing it. I've got to do this to get ahead. How about the business person who, who realizes he's not going to get the contract unless he bribes the official, so he puts $10,000 in an envelope and puts that with the bid. Are you with me today? But as he's about to go to the bank and get the money, something tells her or something tells him that's wrong because the Bible teaches against bribery. See, what I'm talking about today is there's a way that we can say we believe God, but our actions reveal what we truly believe. And the scripture teaches us that if we want to be blessed, we'll delight in the law of the Lord. Verse 3 says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. What does that mean? Several years ago in, in the drought that we've been having, I, I live out in the country. I've got a pond by my house. And it would be so dry that those oak trees that were you know, this big around... I'd have to put the water hose by them just so that they would get a little life back. But yet the oak trees that were near the pond would have their roots going down to the water. And their leaves were always up bright and shining as opposed to those away from the water that were getting a little wilty. Well, this is what the Bible says. His word is like that water and we will prosper if we're connected to him. In verse 4, the tragedy is not so the wicked, but the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. And they'll be condemned at the time of judgment, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So all of us, and again, I'm not suggesting sinless perfection when I say we never mess up, we never make a mistake, but what I'm simply saying is this, let's just be among those who choose to believe the Bible is God's word and do our best to live by it. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. And we're not doing it because we have to or we're being forced to, but we know that it's the path to please God. And if we want to be like David, a man after God's own heart, it's the pathway that we'll choose. Listen, there's many that say they believe this instruction manual, but they don't read it. A sad quote from the American Bible Society, it said one out of five people, that's only 20%, say they believe the Word of God but their actions don't correspond. Think about this now. Only one in five actually read their Bible and obey it. Eighty percent of the people, though that they might say they believe it, don't bother to read it and don't bother to study it. This is my plea to you this morning. Let's be among the one out of five. Let's be among the 20 percent. 
not the 80%. Because following God, doing what he says, is the pathway to a blessed life. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand this morning. I want to close with this. James chapter 1, verse 22. And I want you to say this with me. It says, don't just listen to God's word. What's it say? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. See, the Bible is not just a book of facts to remember. It's not just suggestions to consider. It's not just enough to say, I believe it. But its instructions are to be obeyed. And that's the pathway to a blessed life. And that's why I've made it my third building block today. Is because if we build our, Bible, our lives on the Word of God, God's hand will be upon us in all that we do. Come on, give him one last big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, and, and we're going to just take just a minute and pray. I said as we started this message today, I, I, I have, a, I have a, a, a desire, I have an intent in this message today, and my hope is that each one of us in this room today would renew our commitment or make a fresh commitment to be people who read and study the Bible. And we've got something to help you. There's a little app uh, that we have. I don't know if you're using it or not. Uh, we've still got in the back of our chairs a little Bible guide. We're reading the Bible together in a year. It's Old Testament and New Testament. You can get the one on paper. Or this is actually, you can download it on our app and, and just search Church on the Rock, Texarkana, and it's on your phone. And uh, this actually happens to be mine. Uh, I had two days there, 17 and 18. The turkeys got the best of me. But I didn't stop. I picked it back up on day 19. Because, again, we're not trying to strive to be religious perfectionists, but we've simply made a decision in our heart, I'm going to do my best to know God's Word and do my best to live it. And I want to encourage you, friend, there's no better way to set aside time in your life. If you want to be close to God, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to be pleasing to Him, let our, your resolve be as mine is. As soon as I can in the morning, and that's when I read my Bible, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to find me a little quiet place and I'm going to begin to read. I'm reading it not just for facts and suggestions. I'm not just reading it because I'm scared. If I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm reading it because I want to know my Heavenly Father. My kids and my wife gave me a little birthday card uh, the other day and uh, they're on my dresser and I read them three or four times. Uh, you know, my, uh, so many friends were kind to post on my birthday on Facebook and, and I went back and I especially read my daughter's. You know, what she said about that, it just, it just did something to me. It was kind of a, a love letter. Well, you know what? That's just what this is. It's not intended to cramp our style. It's intended to keep us on a way that'll be not only pleasing to God, but that'll be better to us. If I could have my way in a young person's life today, I would, I would hope that as a young person, you'd commit to not only reading the Bible, but to doing it. If you're a young person today and you're out in the world, you're taught at a younger and younger age that it's okay to sleep around with people. It's okay to, to express your sexuality. It's okay, okay to you know ignore mom and dad, ignore the church, ignore the Bible. We just want you to have fun. We just want you to have fun with as many people as you want to with because after all, it's your life. You just be safe. Just use a condom and everything will be okay. That's kind of the message. Well, you can live that way 
in your teenage years. But one day you're going to find a man you want to give your life to. Let's say you're 23 or 24. And you can give your life to that man in one of two ways. You can give your life to that man as someone with a sexually transmitted disease that may not be able to have children, that has the pain of, a, of an abortion, or someone that's had 40 or 50 people to compare her husband to. Most men don't do well with that. Isn't it kind of odd that boys want to sleep with everybody, but they want to marry a virgin? I don't know how we got off on that, but my point is... Don't you think she'd have been happier on her wedding day if she looked at a love letter from God instead of listening to the love language of some knucklehead and that God said he wants her to live a pure life and on her wedding day she could give this gift. Come on. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I was very worldly and I'm ashamed of the way I grew up. But I'm telling you, friends, God's ways work and they're good. It not only will read it, but will do what it says. It's easy to do what it says when I, I want to believe in Christ so I can go to heaven. But when it comes to the bribe, when it comes to telling the truth, when it comes to saying, no, I can't go that way, when it comes to being a part of the, of, of the group of in people or being a part of caring for the person everybody else is laughing at, I think I'm going to take the buy that people are making fun of, come on, that doesn't fit, the one that's been excluded. It's not always easier to live by the Bible, but it'll all be just be worth it because it's a pathway to a blessed life. Let's just bow our heads just a moment, and I just wonder what the Lord may be saying to you now because my hope is that in your heart you'll join mine and say, Lord, I believe the Bible is true. I know it conflicts with a lot of what I believe. It conflicts with a lot of what I've been taught. And it's not always easy to do. But I just want to bow my head before you and just verbally say that, Lord, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I agree with Jesus that it's true. I agree with what Paul said. I believe it's inspired by God. I believe it shows me the difference between right and wrong. Lord, would you help me be someone that reads the Bible? I know it's easy to say I'll do it in church, but when Monday morning comes along, it's kind of hard. Would you help me to do that? And not just read it. Would you help me to live by it every day of my life? Let's close this way. We're going to have an opportunity for prayer. Normally we pray in the middle of our service, but we had communion today. And in just a second, we're going to have some men and women come to the front. They'd be delighted to pray with you before you go. You take just three, four minutes and just come up because when you came to church, more than likely there was something out in the world that many of us have got to go back and deal with. There's a decision to make. There's a problem, a need. There's a struggle. There's a test to take. There's a doctor to see. I want to tell you, friends, you can leave your burden in prayer to the Lord, and, and, and God can do some amazing things. We'd be honored to pray with you today. We'll pray about anything. It could be about your life, or it could be someone that you care about, but we'd be honored to pray. The most important thing we'd like to pray about today is, is your own personal relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, you know, if I'm honest with you, I, I, I don't even know if I'd die today, if I'd go to heaven or hell. Listen, friend, I would encourage you, don't leave this place today 
without having committed your life to Christ. It's not an accident that you're here. And I want to tell you again, as we took communion today, as we remembered Christ on the cross, Jesus died for one reason, so our sins could be forgiven and so we could have eternal life. He did what he needed to do. Now the step is up to us, not to join a church, but to receive his forgiveness and follow him on the path to eternal life. See, we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. One of my cousins, she's younger than I am, she's a pharmacist, sharp as a tack, wealthy, successful, thought she had the flu. Went into the doctor and they began to do tests. They took some fluid from around her heart and lungs and found out she had a very aggressive form of cancer. In a number of days, she's laying in the hospital and can only communicate by blinking her eyes. You never know what tomorrow holds. But how many know we can know the one who holds tomorrow in his hand? And I'll encourage you today, I'll leave you with this scripture and I'll close. Scripture says, as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to those he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God, even to those who would believe on his name. And if you would like to pray today to receive Christ and commit your way to follow him, whether it's the first time or whether you've gotten away from God, but today you feel drawn back to God, we'd be honored to pray for you. And as soon as they begin to play this song, I'm going to encourage you, if you're making a commitment to Christ, come and meet us at the cross. Someone will pray with you and give you a book that will help you live the Christian life. But right now, we're going to sing that song. Our prayer team is coming to the front. They're here to pray for you. I promise you we won't embarrass you. But if you want to make a connection with God, you come let us pray. Most importantly, if you need to make a step to Christ, I want to encourage you to do it now. I love you. Thanks for being here. Let's sing this last song.